Thank you for tuning in to Voice of Hope, a broadcast ministry by the United Christian Church, Rockville, Maryland. We hope you are blessed by the sermon you are about to hear. If you would indulge me for a little while and turn to the gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter, and I'd just like to speak to you for just a little while from the subject, the good father. From the subject, the good father. Uh, Luke chapter 15, let us uh, just for a moment begin in verse 11. Chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And we are familiar with this passage as what we call the passage of the prodigal son. There's a whole lot more involved in that passage, though, than that just generic uh, appellation that we give to it. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the youngest son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his eldest son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry. And would not go in. 
Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Amen. And the Lord already has blessed the reading of his word. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's, it's so interesting. I, I must have heard this passage preached on dozens of time in, times in my life. Uh, and um, it's, it's just been interesting, I, I guess, because most people say the parable of the prodigal son, blah, 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 the prodigal son. And sometimes, you know, even once or twice, they say the other brother and all of this. But I think as much or more than anything else, this passage right here is dealing with the Father's love. As much and more than anything else, this passage is really pointing up the Father's love. And I say that for several reasons, not the least of which um, is its place in the scripture. And the fact that at the beginning of this chapter, Jesus is giving the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin before he even deals with this, the prodigal son. And I think he, he is weaning his audience into what he wants to say. Uh, he, he's dealing with, with material things and, and, and animals before he gets to the nitty gritty of people on people and relationships. Uh, let me tell you a few things about being a good father. First of all, in spite of the fact that, like it was said here just a little while ago, you know, somebody came up with this arbitrary 18 number. <laughs> I can say <laughs> again. <laughs> That's, that's definitely an arbitrary number. Fathering, parenting, is a lifetime position. You can't resign. You may withdraw, but you can't resign. It's a lifetime position. Your role will vary during that lifetime, but it's a lifetime position. You will, you will change uh, from uh, one level of relationship to another relationship as your uh, sons, daughters reach from their minority to their majority position. And then, then it's, it, it's more of a fellowship, a uh, 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 friendship fellowship, and, and, and therefore hopefully you have courted and cultivated that other relationship such that 
those things that were done and spoken into those lives when they were at this little tender age, you are able to speak into their lives those things that matter when they get to be old and rusty dusty, as we say. But fatherhood is a lifetime position. Your role may change with age and maturation of your offspring, but you're still the father. You're still dispensing godly counsel, not just counsel. See, anybody can give counsel. Counsel can be good, counsel can be bad, counsel can be indifferent. We want to dispense godly counsel to those who are our offspring. And when we need to, get to have loosened the reins a bit and, 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 and where we give a little subtle nudge as opposed to a, a stern shaking, uh, when they are older, we can still speak to them and speak into their lives and more importantly, pray into their lives when we see them getting off track. As their first teacher, before pre-K, before preschool, before any of that, you're their first teacher. You're the first one speaking into their life. You begin, as the scripture says, training them up in the way they should go. And even as they proceed, like I said, and we begin to loosen the rein. Some of us don't know what that loosening rein thing is about, but guess what? You can't treat them like they're four when they're 40. So that position is different. You have, to, you have to change your tactics, and you're still trying to treat them like they're four when they're 40. Both of you all are going to have issues. Amen, lights. Okay, but even as you are loosening the reins and allowing them become, to become more of their own person, you, 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 you seek to launch them as they leave those teens and go into adulthood or whatever. You launch them out and you do so hopefully with the assurance that as long as you're around, that they can use you and I as a sounding board. As a matter of fact, that they will feel free to come and use us as a sounding board and not just consult like, you know, when they reach junior high and you don't know anything anymore. Amen, lights. But, but their, their friends know everything now and because they're trying to pull away. And, and that's a part of the growing up process. But, but they begin to listen to what their friends know or think they know. And, and so... We have to pick them up just like when they were just learning to walk after they make a mess of things at that point. But that's a part of parenthood and that's a part of fatherhood to be sure. As long as we are around, we should be ready to be a sounding board for our offspring. And it remains for us to point them not just to our good wisdom, but to the wisdom of the word point them to Jesus. This is what the Lord says about that. That should preface so much of our conversation the older they get. Here's what the Lord has to say about it. You want to ask me about that? Let's, let's go see what the Lord has to say about it. Notice that despite the circumstances or the grievance in this passage of scripture, both of the sons felt like they could come to the father 
and that he could and he would address them in a suitable fashion. Really, preacher? Yeah, yeah. How readest thou? Look at, look at what it says in there. Both of those sons felt like that. I, I, can, I can go to my father and I can talk to him. I can be frank with him. I can be upfront with him. Now, this speaks to the father's character, as in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. See, that father had become that epistle known and read, not just of men, but of his sons. Amen. At known and read. See, see, other men and women may not know much about you as your son and your daughter because they see you in your unguarded moments a lot of times. But see, he was that man that was known and read of his sons, so they felt like they could come to him and speak to him with candor. Look at it. First of all, let, let's, let's take a look at, at the older son, the other brother, as we would say. Look at the older son. When all was said and done. After the younger son had come back, and the older son is out in the field there, the elder son came and drew near to the house, it says in verse 25. He heard the music and the dancing. He was like, What? Nobody didn't tell me we were having a party today. So he asked one of the servants, What's going on? And he said to him, man, your brother back. Your brother has come back. I would have loved to have seen the, seen the expression on the older brother's face at that time. It was probably priceless. You know, it was probably somewhere between, and, you know, somewhere in there. But he said, oh. I'm sure he was flabbergasted because look at what it says right after that in the text. He said unto him, thy, father's, thy brother has come and the father has killed the fatted calf because he received him safe and sound. He was angry. The next verse, and he was angry. Not, oh, I'm so glad my brother is, is safe and he's back, but he was angry. That's the position of his heart at that particular time. And he would not go in. Now, he's been out in the field. I'm assuming that it was fair weather if he's out in the field. And probably the sun was beating down. But instead of him going into the cool of the house, if nothing else but to cool off, he's staying outside. And this grown man, this elder brother, has proceeded to revert to four or the terrible twos even and he is pouting <laughs> I'm not even going in and so the father hears obviously the servant went in and told him so and so is outside there and you know <laughs> I think he's got it got a, got a little head of steam up you might want to go and talk to him and the father goes to him and he speaks to him. 
But not only does he speak to him, the father listens to him. Because see, in verse, after the father says, says to him, after his entreatment, entreaty to him, it doesn't say what he said to him in the entreaty. It just it was probably something like, man, your brother's back. Come on in. We, we, we're throwing a party. Come on in and join, join the festivities. That would be the likely reaction and words. But the next thing in verse 29, he said, he answering said to his father, these many years do I serve you. And the things that you taught me to do, I did them. What you asked me to do, I did them. I have walked according to your commands. Yes, sir. And yet, you didn't even give me a kid. You didn't even give me a little goat so I could just have a little party with my friends. Really, Dad? But as soon as your son, and I just, my emphasis in, entered mine, but, but I'm seeing that in, in the text, and, and I could understand what it said, and he was angry. That was, that was probably the way that it came out. As soon as your son gets back, you know, the one that's been gone, not helping with any work around here. As soon as your son gets back, now you want to kill the fatty cat. Really, Dad? see the beauty of that is that the father didn't get all beside himself oh this is mine what you talking about I can, do, I can use this like I want to that was not the father's response he reasoned with this young man he reasoned with the elder brother he talked to him he listened to him to, to his argument he listened to his rationale, and then he talked to him. Look, your brother's been out there who knows where, and I, and, and, and I get a sneaking suspicion that father knew where, and I'll tell you later on why I think that. But he has been out there, and he was dead, you know, and, and the emphasis being kind of dead to us, because he obviously didn't want to have anything to do with us for, for, for all the while he was gone. We didn't get any letters from him or anything. But now he is back. He's back. This is your brother. This is your flesh and blood. We should be in here having a party and rejoicing because he that was dead is alive again. He is back in the fold. He has come back, son. And he is come, has come back the right way, which we will get to in a moment here as well. So, yeah, the fatty cat, I killed it for him. If you were out there, implication being, I would have done the same thing for you. So that's a good father. He talks and he listens. To the children. That's one. He talks to his children, yes, but he listens to his children, particularly as they get old enough to have an opinion about something. Next of all, this, this father didn't just provide material support, but he also provided spiritual guidance. First Timothy 5 8 says, 
he has provided those for those of his own house. See, he didn't just provide though, those things that they needed, you know, to make it in this world. You know, he provided, you know, the, the cash and, and the calves and the lambs or whatever. But he also provided some wisdom to them. And like I said, it, it is obvious in the fact that even though both of them came with a different state of mind, he received them, he heard what they had to say. He supported them spiritually. He supported them monetarily. He supported them emotionally. Now, Proverbs 13, 24 says, He that spareth the rod hates his son. It didn't say sported, hates his son. In the Hebrew version, it, some people just say, oh, that's metaphorical. The Hebrew version say, take the stick. <laughs> so, lest you, lest you make a mistake about it. You know, he that, 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 that holds back on the stick hates his son. See, another scripture says, the rod of correction drives foolishness away from their heart. So it's amazing how heat on the seat can do something in the brain. You, you missed that. Heat on the seat can do something in the brain. It can give them the want to. I didn't say slap across the face. I didn't say that. No, no, no. See, I think there's a special reason just beside cushion seat, seating for this, for this little cush back there on the gluteus maximus and minimus. Heat on the seat sometimes brings good understanding. So good fathers discipline their children. You might not think that passage speaks to discipline, but I see at least two things in this passage that tell me that there was a standard of discipline and orderly behavior in this father's household. At least two things in this passage. The elder brother directly addresses it as, as I was speaking in, in uh, early in your hearing, verse 29 of our passage. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandments. See, let's stop right there. I, I, don't, I don't go to the rest of the thing. He says, obviously their father had taught them something. He had given them instruction in behavior, instruction in righteousness. I, listen, I've been here all this time, Lord, I, I, Father, I, I'm acting, I've acted in a manner that was consistent with what you taught me. That was what he was saying to his father. I have acted in a manner consistent with what you taught me. I have not brought shame upon your household. Amen, lights. There was a standard of discipline and orderly behavior in his father's household. And, and that's one way that I know it. The other way that I know that that was the true thing is because I want you to go back and look at the verses regarding the younger brother. Look at verse 13 of the passage in question. Chapter 15 of Luke, verse 13. Look at it. Chapter 15, verse 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. What is the gather all together? The things that he asked for. Daddy, give me what's coming to me. Never mind that you're still spry and you're moving around like you, you're going to be with us for a long time, Dad. But that's okay. 
I, I, want, I want the portion that's coming to me. I, I, I know my older brother is going to get the double portion, but that's all right. I want my portion. You know, however many of these kids, how many of those lambs, however many of the, the cattle coming to me, however much of the, the produce of, of the ground comes to me, give it to me. And also the implication being, when you look at it, this wasn't a brother that liked to travel heavy. So probably the moment that he got that, he went out and he converted it into cash. Amen, lights. And as they used to tell us, that money just burning a hole in your pocket, isn't it, boy? That's what they used to say to us when we were young. And they weren't telling the tale, because I remember when I, I used to work construction my, between my junior and senior high school, year of high school, the moment I, got, I cashed that check, I was like, call my buddy, man, you ready to go to blah, 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 blah. Like he, yeah, let's go. And it was the truth. Burning a hole in my pocket. You couldn't wait to give my money to somebody else. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Mm-hmm. That's the foolishness of youth. But how do I know that there was discipline and order in the father's household? See, because it says not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. You know, when you want to do your dirt when you are young, you are not trying to be up on the mom and daddy. Amen, children and elders. When you are trying to do something that you know would not be kosher or set well with mama and daddy, you busy trying to do it somewhere else other than where they are. Amen. And that's why he went to the far country. It wasn't just because he was going sightseeing. No, I'm going to get far enough away from daddy so the, I don't think the word going to get back with him and it'll be party. You know? Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly why he went to the far country. And there, you, you, he, no doubt about it, because the next word, part of the sentence said, and they're wasting his living on, on riotous living. Wasting his substance on riotous living. Yes. My, my pocket is heavy, and I need to party. He didn't want daddy to know what he was doing, so he put as much distance between himself and home as he could before he started to party hardy. He wanted to extricate himself from daddy's discipline and influence. Amen. Even daddy's standards, so to speak. But see, there's, there's, there's a price that goes along with it. Your money's not long. When, you, when your money's long, you got plenty of friends. Friends. Notice the air quotes, friends. Man, you have a party tonight? Oh, we there, bro. Can we bring somebody? Notice he say somebody. He say something. You know, you need some help with the food, you know, drink, blah, 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 blah. No. Can we bring somebody? But when the money ran out, and the fair-weather friends disappeared, he began to be in want, the scripture said. See, those, those corn husks, they, they started to look good to a brother. 
Mmm. Man, you know, <laughs> corn husk? Yeah, see when you hear, and it's not something from the outside, but coming from the inside, you get a different perspective, brother. When he got sick of hanging out with the pigs, the scripture says he came to himself. See, he thought he was out there living the dream. <laughs> Woke up and was in a nightmare. And he asked himself, I'm pretty sure, what is a kosher boy like me doing out here feeding pigs? Amen. When he came to himself, verse 17, he said, how many hired servants in daddy's house got more than enough to eat. They don't know where to put the leftovers. Bread and enough to spare, just in case you want me to be literal to it. And I'm per I perish with hunger. And see, the, the more he meditated on it, the more sense he appeared. See, this, this is when your parents start getting smarter. See, at first they don't, you know, when you get to be teen a lot of times, they, oh, they don't know, they ain't hip, they don't know nothing. <laughs> Keep living, my granny used to say. Yeah. See, your parents all of a sudden start to get smarter at that point. Verse 18 says, I will arise and go to my father. I will arise and go to my father. See, this is what I'm talking about. In spite of all the dirt that he was into in the far country, he knew where his help came from. That's because he had a good father. He had a good father. Taught him right from wrong. Raised him up. Didn't give him a whole lot of guff when he asked for what really didn't have to be due him at that time. I will rise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, verse 19, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. That's a contrite heart. I, I want you to take a look. Turn over to, to Psalm 51. Turn over to the book of Psalm. And I want you to see how this rolls along with that. See, David had his trip to the far country. It was right there in Jerusalem, but he had his trip to the far country. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. See, I know how you are, Daddy. And I know because of the way you raised me, your heart is tender towards me. Even when I'm a hot mess, 
your heart is tender towards me. So have mercy upon me, not according to what I deserve, Dad, but according to your loving kindness. That's a characteristic of a good dad. Loving kindness. Long-suffering and loving kindness. Characteristics of a good dad. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Lord, I, Dad, I know I'm a mess. Could you help me get it right? If you don't see that there, when he says, look, I'm such a mess, I don't even deserve to be called your son anymore. Just let me be a servant in your household. Because see, I've seen how you treat the servants, Dad. Not like where I came from, not like where I was. I've seen how you treat your servants, and your servants got it better than most people who are hanging out around here. A glory. So you, you don't even have to treat me like your son anymore. Just treat me like one of the servants, and that, that'll be okay with me, because I know I messed up. I messed up really bad. Mm, glory. I acknowledge my transgression. What did he say? I sinned against heaven and before you. He even got the order right. All sin is against God. So he said, I sinned against heaven and before you, Dad. I want you to know that I, I kept your lessons. I know that when I sin, it's against the Lord. See, a good father instructs their child. They keep the word before them as frontless before their eyes, the scripture says. You know, when they rise up in the morning, when they lay down at night, the word is before their children. That's what a good father does. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. And it's up to you, Dad. In, in other words, verse 4, against thee and only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when you speak and clear when you judge. I'll take whatever you got to put out because I know your justice is tempered with mercy. Hey. That's a good father. See, because a good father is emulating our father who art in heaven. Hallelujah. You have been listening to Voice of Hope. To support our ministry, text GIVE to 240-493-8490. God bless you for giving. So you see in this passage, it's obvious that the daddy time that went on when those boys were growing up, it wasn't just filled with idle chit-chat. It was filled with some instruction in righteousness. You can see that because of their response and the way that they speak back to their father. And, and even when they're angry, the, the regard that they have for the father. 
See, it wasn't just about idle chit-chatting, you know, oh, what were you doing out there, blah, 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 blah. But there were times when God's word and wisdom were imparted. Whether they were in the car, whether they were on a walk, whether they were out there in the field cutting down the grain or whatever, whether they were talking, uh, riding the donkey, whether they were having a meal, wherever they were, God's truth was being imparted to them. Just like it says in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, wherever you are whether they rise up and they say, no, keep it as front as before their eyes. Tack it to the, to the doorposts and the lentils so they can see it. Keep it before their face. And fathers are compassionate. Because you see, there were many reactions that the father could have had. But I want you to notice the position of the father after the son had come to himself and said, I will arise and go to my father. How many days or how much time during the day do you think the father was on the porch, in the portico, on the roof, looking, looking down the dusty road? looking for that speck. Oh, you say, that's ridiculous. You're just being hyperbolic preacher. I don't think so. Not, not according to the text here. Because you see in verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Oh, I know that walk. I know that walk. That's my boy. That's my. He didn't wait. See, you have to know, it was untoward for a father because of his position in the household to be running out there to, to greet the children. It was the opposite. See, the children ran to greet the father. He wasn't thinking about any protocol. That's my child. And he's coming back. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer. Here he come. I'm going to get him. I, I, I won't wait for him to come. I'm going. I'm running to him. I'm hastening to meet him myself. Because my heart is overflowing with love toward this boy. I'm going to get him. He ran out to meet him. Saw him when he was a long way off. Recognized that gate. Even though the son had been gone a while, see. And the, the passage right there says he had compassion. And had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Keep in mind where the boy's been now. I, never mind that we kosher. And I can smell a hog pen on you, boy, that's all right. He threw himself on his neck and kissed him. 
a glory. Oh, my hand, can I watch, at least watch my hand? <laughs> see, I recognize that, because see, that's how, that's how my granny used to be. I'll be trying to, oh, I need my hands thinking what? She didn't care. I was her Michael. So she just grabbed me up, sticky hand and all, and just squeezed me to herself. Hey. Because such was the love. And such was the love of his father. He is reaching out. He is running to meet. I see you headed in the right direction, but I'm going to meet you before you even get to me. I know you're coming back for a reason. You've been gone a long time, obviously, but guess what? I can't even wait for you to get here. I've been missing you so much. I, I, I see you trying to do the right thing now. Come on, come on. I'm going to run to meet you. He arose and came to his father. When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Mm. And what's he saying? He begins, you know, his carefully prepared speech. You know how it gets. We've been planning what we're going to say because when we know we had done wrong, right? We plan the way we're going to couch the terms that we're going to couch it in. But at least he was very frank. And he began, just like he had rehearsed it over there when he was just getting out of the pig pen. Father, I, I, I sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of the high. Father barely let him finish. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe. Put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're back, boy. What took you so long? I'm just glad to see you. The good father. This is what is known as extravagant love. This doesn't even begin to broach the kind of love that the Father has for us. How do I know? The love of the Father is manifested towards us in that while we were yet sinners, hallelujah, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Oh, it didn't say we, we, we decided we were going to do it. No, no, no. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As a matter of fact, he said, they're going to mess up, so guess what? We're going to put this plan in motion before the foundation. Hey, glory. You think not? Behold the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. His father saw him had compassion on him, ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. See, this shows you that the, 
this father was a doer of the word. He, did, he didn't just say, oh, you should love your neighbor and blah, blah, blah. And when his son gets back, he said, you knucklehead, you've been out there doing X, Y, Z. Why do I say that? Oh, father didn't know. Really? I have a sneaking suspicion. When you look at what the brother said, obviously the father sent somebody out there to look out on the boy. Because his brother said, now he's in the far country, but his brother said, oh, look, this one, he's he been out there squandering your money, spending it on harlots. How did he know? How did he know? The word obviously was getting back some kind of way. But this father was a doer of the word. So when he spoke to his sons in, in, in the final analysis, that word that he had implanted earlier, it had to take root and it had to bring fruit. Boy, I'm not just glad you're here. Let me, let me show you what a, what a real good father. Let me show you what the Lord shows me that I should do now that you're back. No, I'm not going to make you work out in the barn like this or that. Bring him the best robe. The best robe. Bring him a ring to put a symbol of authority. Put a ring on the boy's finger. Put shoes on his feet. Another symbol of authority. Elevated from the floor. Not just walk around barefoot. See, all of these were ways of the father saying, you're not just a servant to me, boy. You are not just a servant to me. You are special. Hallelujah. You are the apple of my eye. Hallelujah. You are my beloved. Glory to God. This father didn't provoke his children to wrath. In the very beginning, when that boy came and in his impertinence asked him, uh, give me what's coming to me, Dad. I want you to look at the words in that verse there. In verse 12, chapter 15, verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And the very next sentence says, and he, he being a father, divided unto them. He didn't just give it to the younger son. He gave the oldest son his double portion at that time too. Glory to God. I love the two of you. I'm giving it. I'm giving you what is coming to you right now. Don't, don't just think, you know, just so you think I'm not playing favorites, so you know I'm not playing favorites, I'm giving you your double portion at this time too. That's what it says right there. He gave them, them being older son, younger son. 
He divided unto them his living. He is the Father's living. He didn't skip on them. He disbursed in full measure to them, folks. Hallelujah. And he giveth unto us everything that pertaineth unto life and godliness. Hallelujah and amen. Good fathers, finally. Couple more things. They never give up on their kids. They never give up on their kids. They discipline them. They hold them accountable, but they never give up on them. Even when they don't want to don't want to talk, even when they run to the far country, they resort to the father. Lord, you know my child is out there and wherever. I pray your protection upon them. Pray your, you grant your heavenly mercies upon them, oh God. If it takes certain things to turn them around, then, then turn them around. But, but spare them, oh Lord, in your grace and mercy. And bring them back into the fold. In the name of Jesus. Because your ways are not my ways. And, and, and they're as high above mine as the heavens are above the earth. But God, God I know you know how to do it. So what, what the wisdom that you haven't given me, do for them what is necessary to do for them to bring them back to where they need to be. In the name of Jesus. I know he didn't give up on him because it was obvious he was looking for him from his, his position and his reaction when he saw that boy coming back or that young man coming back. And good fathers pray for their children, just like David prayed for Solomon when he was nearing the end of his life in 1 Chronicles 29, 19. When we pray for our children, and they should see us and hear us praying for them sometimes. They may not hear us and see all of the prayers and praying that we do for them, but they need to see and hear us praying for them sometimes with a fervency. Especially when the wisdom of the Lord tells you that they are in grave danger. You pray for them, listening, listening to the Spirit of the Lord and what he speaks to you and praying for them and say, come here. You know I love you, and I'm just going to pray for you right now. And you grab them by the hand. And you let them experience the fervency of your prayer and the knowledge that you serve a God that can do something about it. he's a good father he is the good father and anything that we do in our check 
toward being a good father. It's just an emulation of what we see him do. It provides a loving sense of security. Because see, right at the right hand of the father, there's this fellow named Jesus. Whoever lives, it's the word of God says, to make intercession for us. Hallelujah. He is praying. Before he left, he said, Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat, boy. But guess what? Don't worry about it. I prayed for you. I'm praying for you, boy. Hallelujah. He still prays for us. So our children need to know that we pray for them daily. And that's a good father. That's a good father. Peace so unexplainable. 
Father, Father, stand and come up to the front, please. Amen. God and our Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise. You have created men, Heavenly Father, and you've given them a station, Heavenly Father, not to lord it over women, Heavenly Father, nor to be a doormat underneath, O oh God, but to walk in a position of leadership, in a position of protection, in a position of influence, O oh God, in the household. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would move by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would touch us as men, Heavenly Father, and cause us, oh God, to walk in that which you have given already. You've said that you give us everything, everything. You have given us everything that pertains unto life and godliness. This pertains unto life and godliness, Heavenly Father. Help us to be the leaders that you desire for us to be. Help us, O oh God, to walk in the, in the path of righteousness as you desire for us to walk, O oh God. Help us to speak unashamedly and unabashedly to our children, O oh God, and even all who come under the shadow of our roof, O oh God, their friends and acquaintances, Heavenly Father. Help us to speak the oracles of life to them, O oh God, that they might know that we serve a living God, that they might know that you, O oh God, are El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. That there is nothing that the world can give them that they have any need of, oh God, because you are the provider, oh God. You provide for us. And when the enemy would speak the lie, oh God doesn't care anything about you. Oh, look at what's, what's happening to you. God has forgotten about you. I pray that you remind them, remind us of the name, names, one of the many names that you have. God sees. You are the God who sees. Hallelujah. You see and you know us, so God. And you are Jehovah Shalom. You are the God of peace. You can speak peace into a, a wretched and ratchet situation, Heavenly Father. No matter what 
the turmoil is. You can speak peace to it and rectify it and turn it around, oh God. I pray, oh God, that we would speak it with confidence, oh God, not only because you've done it in our lives, oh God, but because even when we have yet to see the manifestation of some of those things that you have for us, oh God, that we trust that they will come to pass, oh God, because you're faithful to your word. And before one jot or tittle of it shall fail, oh God, heaven and earth shall pass away. Oh, we thank you, oh God. Help us to love like you love. If we, being earthly fathers, know how to give good gifts to our children, oh God, how much more do you, being our heavenly father, are able to give us not only the Holy Spirit, but all good and perfect gifts. They come down from you, Heavenly Father. Help us to be confident, O oh God. And when we stick our chest out to boast, let us boast in you. May our boast be in the Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord, he is God. Our God is God. There is none like him. There is none beside him. Perfect in all of your ways. I pray that you would move, that the fire would inhabit your men, Heavenly Father. The fire, that, that we wouldn't be able to keep silent. We would be just like Jeremiah said. It, I, I wanted to keep silent, but it was like fire shut up in my bone. He had to tell it. Let us tell it with confidence and boldness, oh God. I give you thanks and praise, oh God. I pray, oh God, for the leader that you have set in this congregation, oh God, who is operating in the position of being a father to this congregation, Heavenly Father, in so many ways, Heavenly Father. You have given him this congregation to lead. I pray, oh God, that you strengthen him, spirit, soul, and body. Let not the spirit of discouragement be on, on him, O oh God, but anything that would seek to weigh him down, O oh God, in Jesus' mighty name, we pray that you would remove it, Heavenly Father. And anything that, that seeks to remain, O oh God, we pray that the strength that he would gain thereby, O oh God, would help him to not only overcome that, O oh God, and even as the words of the songwriter says, that each victory would help us some other to win, that that would be its purpose, O oh God, in Jesus' mighty name. May we grow spiritually and physically and numerically, O oh God financially in every way, O oh God, that is good, may we prosper, O oh God, according to your divine ends. Not that we would spend it and, and expend it upon ourselves, O oh God, but that the work of your ministry would go forth in power, O oh God, that they would lack nothing, Heavenly Father, because we look unto you, the author the finisher of our faith, O oh God, to not only complete the faith work that you have in us, O oh God, but complete what you have for this congregation to do. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. We commend our, our prayers unto you because there's no lack in you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You have been listening to Voice of Hope. To support our ministry, text GIVE to 240-493-8490. God bless you for giving.
To learn more about our ministry, visit www.theunitedchristianchurch.org. May God's blessings always be with you.